Cars on the bottom now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Four Point Plan. There's the music. I can barely hear it. Welcome to the Four Point Plan. My name is JR. I am your host. I am a drug counselor from Los Angeles, California, and I am excited today to introduce you to my friends who are here every week. They are my co-hosts. There is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy. His name is Guy. Say hi, Guy. Hello, world. And not to be outdone, the most exciting man you'll ever meet, the coolest person I know, his name is Sean. Sean, say good morning, Sean. Good morning. Good morning. It is a good morning. It's an awesome morning. Guy has been complaining that it is an early morning, but you know, when you're in sobriety, you like to kick the mama jamma. You like to get things started. You know, you want to get a good day, man. I got a good day planned. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some breakfast with my wife, and then we're going to, uh, I'm gonna go and do some homework and write a 20-page paper on the assessments of family counseling. It's going to be a good day over here. What you got planned today, gentlemen? A meeting uh, this morning. I'm going to a meeting after this. Oh, no. Are you going to an in-person meeting? No, it's going to be a Zoom meeting. Oh, okay. You're going to a Zoom meeting. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'm going to be going to a virtual uh, memorial service for a friend of mine in Alcoholics Anonymous passed away. Well, I'm sorry that your friend passed away. I think it's uh, very awesome that you guys are going to go honor him. That's good. Yep. That's what we do in these programs. We care about each other. We don't just get sad and do nothing. We're going to celebrate his life today. I couldn't say it any better. That's good stuff, man. Sean, what you got going on today, brother? Just enjoying God's Day Sunday. I had to go pick my kids up in a little bit. Go to Barstow, where your wrestling career either ended or excelled. I don't know. <laughs> Every time I go through Barstow, I think of you, Jr. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see the. I'm waiting to see the, the the poster with your your face on it, the Hell Kid mask up there. Legend, of, home of the Hell Kid. But I'm oh, it's gonna say there. wanted. <laughs> <laughs> or wanted. <laughs> Yeah, the last time I was in Barstow, they gave me an award for uh, 20 years in the wrestling business. It said Destination 6 respects and honors the Hell Kid. Don't come back. Oh, very <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah, usually when someone gives me an honor like this, I think they're trying to make me quit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay, your time's up. <laughs> Look, we, we already gave you a trophy. Will you stop coming back? You're too old to be fighting these young people. Hell, kid, you're you're more uh, like a hell man. Whatever. You're a hell grandpa. Keep the belt, hell man. <laughs> but don't come back to Barstow. You know, my grandson actually calls me uh, Papa Hell Kid. How that cool is amazing. Is that? That's awesome. Hell grandpa. Yeah, I, I I mentioned that last night. I I had the distinct honor and privilege of speaking at the Quality of Life Saturday night speaker meeting. Um, it was a huge honor. I had not uh, done it before, and it was not lost on me, the specialness and the privilege of it. Uh, so 
it was one of these things I wanted to talk about today is about what do we do, man? Say that people have been listening to the four point plan podcast for a while, and we've got them convinced to do the first point of the four point plan, which is 90 meetings in 90 days. Let me touch on all four of them real quick. Uh, number one, 90 meetings in 90 days. Number two, get a sponsor and utilize that sponsor. Call your sponsor, please. Number three, get a home group. Never miss that home group. Every week you're going to be at your home group because if you don't have a home group, you are homeless. homeless. Yeah, we don't want you to be homeless, right? No transient recovery. <laughs> and number four is get a service commitment. Find a way to be of service to the meeting that saved your life, man. Get more than one. Get a couple of commitments during the week where you have to show up and you have to go uh, make the coffee or set up the chairs or whatever, right? So that's exactly. the four-point plan. The four-point plan is amazing because people that do the four-point plan stick around and stay clean and sober. So I want you guys to try that, please. But let's talk a little bit about, say, I finally got you convinced to do 90 meetings in 90 days. And you're going to the meetings every day and you're looking at me all doe-eyed like, I don't know, JR, I've been going to these meetings and I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And maybe you're just a naturally shy person. Believe it or not, I am also a naturally shy person. I think most people are kind of shy. I know it sounds crazy, but it is true. So. Especially if you don't know anybody. Yeah, you walk in, man. You look around a room full of people. There's like 50 people. They're all talking and laughing and hugging. And you ain't ever been there before. You've been there one or two times and you've never talked to anybody. It's hard, man. It's hard as a grown adult to take the initiative, to, to take the risk to reach out there, man, and try to put yourself in the middle of it all, right? And I understand that. How do you change that, though? How do you become one of those people that's laughing and hugging and joking with everybody? How do you you fit into the milieu? How do you become one of the regulars? And the secret is you have got to open your mouth. You got to talk, man. You got to share. You got to talk to people. Let them know your name. When you do talk to them, you're going to have to identify uh, when I go into a meeting and I raise my hand to share and they say, okay, you, sir, you can speak. I will say, hello, my name is JR and I am an alcoholic or I am an addict, uh, depending on what meeting I'm in. So um, then I'll, I'll share whatever topic it is or whatever's on my mind. Uh, but that's like the secret, man. You got to share. You got to open your mouth. You can't. You can't a closed mouth does not get fed. You can't sit there all quietly in the back row and never talk to anybody and expect recovery to come along and feed you. I mean, if you're there for 90 days, somebody's going to insist themselves upon you. They're going to come up and talk to you even if you don't want them to. But if you want to get the most that you can out of the program, man, reach out, ask for help or introduce yourself, make some friends, man. Uh, I had the, the honor of speaking last night and speaking at a meeting is an awesome thing, man. Uh, people that maybe didn't know that much about me before, they know a lot more about me now because they were able to, to listen to me speak at a meeting because I, I opened my mouth. So this is the thing, man. Today we're going to talk about speaking and meetings, sharing and meetings. How, how do you uh, get through that insecurity, that fear and talk at a meeting and let people know who you are? Uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. 
some people, for some people, public speaking is the scariest thing in the world. As a matter of fact, there was a study done once where more people were afraid of public speaking than they were of dying. I know it sounds insane to me, but there are people so deadly afraid of speaking in public that they would rather die. Uh, I don't want to die. That's why I stopped doing drugs. That's why I stopped drinking. And uh, I want to live. So I'm going to do what it takes for me to stay alive. And one of the things it takes for me to stay alive is I got to go to meetings. I got to open my mouth. I got to share. I got to make some friends. I got to make some connections. You know, the secret to uh, this stand sober thing is making connections, man. And so you can't make connections if you're just going to sit there with your mouth sewn shut. You got to get out there. You got to talk to somebody. So that's where we're at today. That's what we're talking about today. I want to get uh, my friend's experience on this. Um, I know that uh, Sean's kind of a, a, a quiet dude. He's kind of, I don't want to say withdrawn, but he shows a lot of restraint. Um, Sean, is it a challenge for you to share in public? What's the deal? Uh, at first it was, yeah. Actually, I'm glad we, we talked about, we're talking about this because uh, he's like you said, taking the risk and like, for me, like when I was when I was out there drinking, you know, I was a risky alcoholic. I made risky and reckless decisions all the time, like to DUIs and just making bad, bad choices. So when when I came here, yeah, like the, the way that I got through it, because it was extremely fearful for me. And like you said, like I'd probably would rather die than get in front of a a room full of alcoholics or anybody and you know start talking. I remember when I was at my treatment center. One of my person in my sobriety family asked me to leave the meeting and it was in front of like a hundred people and it was the scariest thing i've ever went through in my life at that point in my life and it was it was a disaster in my mind it was a disaster but i was hot sweaty but those are the those, <laughs> it was it was miserable and even my first 10 minute share i did at quality life was i have it recorded it was pretty bad but i still went out there and did it i was sweating profusely we had to have a prayer circle outside for me before i got up there because it was that scary for me dear lord that, please let sean share good night amen yeah, <laughs> i said it was it was it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty it was pretty uh, scary yeah but you know after i got after i did a couple of times the way that i got through it was the uncomfortable situations is the situations that kept me sober because it means I'm doing something different. You know, if I'm doing something that I'm comfortable with, which I always have, which is risky alcoholic behavior, I'm destroying my life. That well, that's what was comfortable for me. So for me to to actually want to change and stay sober, I had to do something different. I had to. So every time I go up to share, I always thank the secretary for an uncomfortable situation to keep me sober. Because those are the situations that kept me sober. Is all these uncomfortable situations, especially public speaking. But now it's a lot easier. These Zoom meetings help a lot too. You know, I did a, a, a final presentation through Zoom in my my finals a couple weeks ago, and it was like it was like a breeze now. You know, so nice. due to the Alcoholics Anonymous and even I mean the four point plan. I mean, four point plan. All, all these little things help me keep sober, and this is how I this is how I continue to go to meetings because now I enjoy it. I was that guy who sat in the back and didn't talk very much, and I really wouldn't raise my hand to share unless I was called on. But nine out of ten times, I wanted to be called on, but I was too scared to raise my hand to share. So, what also got me through that was getting a sponsor who somewhat suggested that I shared at least once during the meeting because he knew I wanted to. He knew I was. Is he? That's how he helped me get out of my fear. The suggested suggestions that I followed. Exactly. 
uh, well, for all of us, man, uh, change is uncomfortable. You know, doing something different is uncomfortable. And in right. this situation, uh, changing and speaking in meetings when when we're not into that, when that's not something that we're we're familiar with doing, that is called growth, man. And I found a quote right here from Kristen Lohr. It says, growth is uncomfortable because you've never been here before. You've never been this version of you. So give yourself a little grace and breathe through it. Good exactly. stuff, man. Growth is uncomfortable. When you're, when you're afraid to get up there and share for the first time, you are changing, you're doing something new, and that is the result. The end result is going to be positive because you are growing. Um, I love the image of Sean and a bunch of people having a prayer circle saying, please, yeah. please, Lord, let Sean have a good share let tonight. Speak. Let him have a voice. <laughs> I just prayed that this to be a channel of my higher power just to, to talk to newcomers. Even my sponsor said, well, Sean, just... Act like everybody's naked and you're up there and act like everybody's naked in my I think that might I don't know if that would work. That might be a little that might be a little worse to take it that way. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever it takes. And, you know, yeah. It was it got so much easier and you know, as soon as the, the meeting hall opens back up, I'm already booked for a 45 minute Friday night speaker at Quality of Life. And so I mean <clears throat> now I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that I got this extra few months after my year to to prepare for it and get ready for it. But I'm not actually looking forward to it. Before it was pretty, I was pretty like, oh my God, like I'm not gonna give up 45 minutes in a suit in front of everybody. Which you all know me now, you know what I mean? But at first when I got there, yeah, I was that quiet guy and I still am quiet because I because I didn't know the program and I, I needed to learn it. And I wanted I wanted to learn it so I didn't act like I knew everything because I didn't. You know what I mean? Like I didn't try to manipulate and talk about the program because I really didn't know anything <clears> about it. So I sat there and I listened to everybody's experience and, and I called on, I shared briefly. And... Shit, more importantly, more importantly, I'm going to chime in. Sean just kept going. This is the, some of the beauty of the four-point plan right here, you guys. This is this is four-point plan, The what we get out of it. We're going to a meeting every day, right? 90 meetings, 90 days. Boom. If you keep going, it's going to get more comfortable. You're going to get to know these people somehow, some way, even if you don't want to. And if you get a home group, especially, you're going to that same exact meeting each and every week on that specific day at that specific time, you're going to get to know those people in your home group, guaranteed. You're going to get to know them, at least. You're going to start seeing them. You're going to hear them. And guess what? If you keep going there, whether even if you don't want to, if you sit in the very back all by yourself, they're going to come up to you and they're going to, they're going to ask how you're doing. They're going to want to know how you're doing. You're showing up there every week. They're going to want to get to know you. It's inevitable. That's the beauty of this whole program. They they root for you to win. They want to get to know you and see you succeed. It's it's mind-boggling. John, Guy and I are privileged, man, because we actually have gotten to watch you go through your process. And we watched you go to uh, your home group early on and, and start developing friendships there. And you evolved, man, into one of the most popular people there. They, you're a member of the family over there now. And so it's it's kind of odd to hear you say, man, I, I get nervous going up to speak or share with those people really? because you're, you're one of them. They love you, like ridiculously love you. So, and I go to, I go to guys home group too. And Guy is, and I'm not making this up, Guy is the most loved person in the room every time. 
And when we talk about sharing in meetings, this guy, he ain't afraid to share, man. He is bubbly. He has got excitement in his voice. He gets up there and he's like, hello, everybody. <laughs> he gets he super sounded, excited, man. He sounded exactly like him. <laughs> he doesn't do that. Hey. But it wasn't always like that. You know, I was once too the guy who was scared. I didn't know these people. I would I would try to find a fault in them. I would try to like, I don't know. It's it's what our brains tell us because, because I had self-centered fear. That's what it came down to. I was afraid. I didn't want to admit it, but yeah, I was afraid. No, I would I would just play it like the cool guy. You know, there's cool guys that go to meetings. And I was probably one of them when I first started going to these meetings. I would just sit back. I wasn't being a, a I, I could cuss on here. I wasn't being a or a jerk or anything like that. But I was just like, nope, I'm not gonna talk to anybody. I knew I had a voice. I just didn't know if I wanted to talk to them yet. I deserve to hear my voice. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to. I wanted to, but I was too scared like to make that initial contact with them. I don't know why or what the case was, but like you said, it was all it was all self-centered feeling, like working the steps and you know, like doing a four-point plan of steps is part of it, you know, it's all included into it, into the package. And that's where I learned to, like JR's touched on last night at the meeting, you know, you learn to look at yourself different. I had a lot of self-centered fear that I didn't even know I had. And I just thought I liked to get loaded my whole life, but a lot of it was because I was uncomfortable. And, right. And yeah. When we get loaded, we, we feel a little more comfortable at ease or we don't care about anything. Yeah. If I could have done a shot before I went up to the podium, you know, two years yeah, ago, it probably made it a lot easier. That's one. That was our solution for years, you know? That was our solution to fucking getting over that fear and that uncomfortableness of, of life. You yeah, know? Push through it. Just push through it. Keep going to the meetings. Just keep going to meetings. The first there it is. That's, there's the 90 and 90. Sounds like a 90 and 90. Yeah. Just work right? through that uncomfortability. Absolutely. Just go every day. It gets less comfortable. The change becomes an everyday thing. Yeah. Now, we're lucky that we're sober here in 2020 because things have changed a lot over the years in the program. Uh, earlier on in the program, we've got friends that got sober in the 80s, the 70s, even the 90s, who when they got sober, they were told not to share at meetings. They were told, hey, take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth, sit down and shut up. And uh, and I think over the years, we evolved to realize that's not good advice, man, because People that have something inside them that they want to get out, if we keep telling them to shut up, they're just going to get offended and the feelings will get hurt and they'll go get loaded behind it. So sometimes we'll be at a meeting and a newcomer will be sharing and it'll sound like crazy nonsense. But we know inside, you know, oh, they're just new and they're still figuring this thing out. And, you know, even if it's a newcomer problem that we think is ridiculous and it's not a big deal, to them, it's a huge deal. So right. we have empathy. We have compassion. We listen to stuff. I've heard some outrageous shit in meetings from newcomers and old timers alike. I heard uh, I heard guys share that uh, his life was so hard because he just got sober and he had this girlfriend and she was married and she kept buying him stuff. And we were like, oh, man, that is a newcomer problem if I ever heard it. <laughs> My oh, wife man. just keeps buying me things. Oh, nerve of her. Oh, man. My <laughs> wife bought me Super Bowl tickets. Oh, man. You got to go to Super Bowl. By the way, that was my sponsor that told me that. 
And then uh, guess where my sponsor is right now? He's at the World Series. So, you know, he got over that. All right. <laughs> Whatever it was that made him afraid to go to the Super Bowl 10 years ago, he's, he's, at, the, uh, he's at the World Series right now having a good time. Oh, people, nice. can, still, people can still go there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're socially distanced. In Texas. Oh. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, and it's Texas, man. Texas don't believe in science. <laughs> oh man all of our texas listeners just tuned out they're like man fuck jr and the poor <laughs> they said we don't believe in science we, don't need science. we got fucking unicorns <laughs> so uh when you're new man share don't be afraid i mean you're gonna be afraid but you get you gotta get it out sometimes man maybe <clears throat> sharing that thing that's on your mind is gonna save your life I remember, you know, my first year, I had a lot of weird things happen, man. And it was hard. And uh, and really good things came as a result of me sharing. I know I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. I went to a meeting one night. Well, let me, uh, yeah. I went to a meeting one night, and my motorcycle had been repossessed that day. And I was bummed out, man, because I was working at the time as a motorcycle messenger. I would drive packages around Los Angeles. And uh, and now I had no way to go to work because my motorcycle got repossessed by no fault of my own. And so I was bummed and I was at this meeting and I shared, man, that everything was fucked up. That I didn't think I was going to be able to stay sober because I wasn't going to be able to keep my job. If I didn't have a job, I wouldn't be able to pay rent. I was going to end up homeless. I might as well do drugs, right? Because <clears throat> my bike got repossessed. Well, after the meeting, my friend came up to me and he's like, hey, man, you remember I talked to you on the phone earlier today? I was like, yeah. He's like, remember when I asked you how you were doing and you said fine? And I said, yeah. He's like, well, you lied to me. You were not doing fine. Why didn't you tell me that they repossessed your motorcycle? I said, well, I didn't want to bother you with my problems. And he said, well, that's a shame, man, because if you had told me that they had repossessed your motorcycle, then I would have told you that I own a motorcycle and it's been sitting in the yard at my parents' house for the past year. And I also could have told you that I currently have the pickup truck from my job and that I could take that pickup truck, pick you up, and we could drive to my parents' house and pick up that motorcycle and we could take it over to our other friend's motorcycle shop the guy that goes to the meeting with us and that he would fix that motorcycle for you for free and then you could have that motorcycle and you could pay me back i don't know a thousand dollars a hundred dollars a month until you got it paid off or whatever you can afford i was like what <laughs> he's like yeah sounds man. Like you should have opened your mouth yeah it sounds yes. like you should have opened your mouth but here's the point i shared it at the meeting and he was at the meeting and he heard me and he took me aside and he said, I'm going to pick you up in the morning and we're going to go get that motorcycle. And we did, man. And I missed one day of work and I was back to work. But the reason that that happened was because I shared it at a meeting. So right. why can it be so valuable to share at meetings? Because you never know what's going to happen, man. Might get out. a motorcycle. Yeah, you might get a motorcycle. <laughs> I, was, I was out of work one time. Uh, I had just over a year. And a friend of mine who went to the meeting with me owned a painting company. And when he heard me share at the meeting that I was out of work, he came up to me afterwards and said, hey, man, why don't I pick you up in the morning and take you to work? I'll pay you $150. I was like, wow, I could really use $150. a lot of money. <clears throat> and what would I be doing? He'd be like, you'd be painting this apartment. It's easy. I'll teach you how. I was like, okay, I don't have any experience. He's like, it's all right. So we go, and he picks up his regular two painters that work for him, right? 
and he picks me up and we all go over to this apartment and we're painting walls and I've never painted before. And I'm watching his workers and they're knocking out wall after wall like this, boom, boom, boom. And just everything looks nice. And I'm on one wall for like an hour. Like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. This looks like shit. And then he comes up to me. I said, listen, man, I don't know if I can, if I can accept this money because I'm not doing a very good job. I really don't. Uh, I'm not, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. He said, oh, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. I knew when I hired you exactly what I would be overpaying for. <laughs> but the point was he did it because he knew that I wasn't asking for a handout. Um, but he wanted the opportunity to help me out because he understood I needed the money. So he, he gave me that opportunity. And he found that out because he was in a meeting with me where I shared what was going on with me. So... That's just a side effect of, of what going to a meeting every day and going to the same meeting every week might do for you. I've seen so many people get job connections, get yeah. places to live as a result of going to meetings, you know, and those are just side effects of the main thing that we get. We're going to learn how to stay sober and get through it. That's that by opening our mouths, getting, letting people get to know us and us getting to know them. It's, there's magic in there. I'm telling you guys. I was just talking to a, <clears throat> a guy, a new, a guy who's pretty new, you know, this past week. And he's been, this guy's doing the deal. He's going to a meeting, at least a meeting a day. He's, he's going to two meetings a day sometimes right now. And I was like, all right, how's it, how's it feeling, man? And he's like, it's feeling pretty good. You know, it, it actually is. He's all, I like going to this meeting. Uh, they have it every day. And, and I was like, all right. And he's like, and you know what? I think I might actually share. I'm like, all right, man, that's great. I was like, you don't have to, you don't have to share your whole life story with them in the beginning. Just say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm an alcoholic and I'm having a pretty good day today. I'm grateful for this or just little things. That's all just so they can get to know you. That's, you know, and it, like I said, there's magic in us just speaking what's going on with us. You know, go ahead, Sean, please. I'll say, cause it's so true. Cause like everybody for the most part, like when you, if you have a problem or, or a situation, somebody there has, been through it and somebody there either has a solution or a suggestion to it like i had kidney stones one time and there was like two or three people in the room that they had to have they had the same thing and so i kind of <clears throat> gave me a rundown of what to expect and like so, so it's not like i was in it alone you know like some people get dental work and everybody just a lot of people have been through the same situation instead of just going through it alone you know and there was like when JR said about like people hiring you and you know, my meeting, people found out I was a repair technician and everybody had phones and now everybody's like, Oh, Sean can do phones. Oh, I got this phone. I got this phone. So now I'm like doing little side jobs and just little things like that. People look out for you. And, but if I, it never would happen if I wouldn't have shared about it, talked about it. If I want to talk about myself a little bit, even if I was uncomfortable about it, I still had to get out of my shell. And for me, what made it easier for me to share was my sponsor knew that I was fearful to, to share to whatever reason self-centered fear and I asked him I believe I asked him to ask me to to share like call on me or because I'll do it if he tells me to do something I was that willing I said if you tell me to do it I'm gonna do it but if you don't like I'm not trying to take the easy way out or the maybe I was 
put just ask me or tell me to suggest it and to share it every meeting or you know so a lot of it happened by wednesday meetings and men's stag was a lot easier to share than the men's stags with situations like this but yeah it's just it's a lot easier now but in the beginning so yeah if you're new and you just start going just continue to going and just try to share just try to just open your mouth. Open your mouth. Like JR said, closed mouths don't get fed. Don't Here's the thing, man. Sharing can save your life. So yeah. when I was new, I was crazy. I was I was so used to doing drugs all the time and shooting heroin and cocaine all the time that I didn't have any good ideas. And and for the first nine months, man, I woke up every day thinking, well, maybe I should shoot heroin today. Like it took me a long time to understand why to stay sober. And so I'm at a meeting one time and I had 90 days sober and I had been making some bad decisions in my life. But when I shared about it, it kind of saved me because here's what happened. At 90 days clean, I got in a fight with my girlfriend and I moved in with my drug dealer on a Friday night. On Saturday morning, I went to my home group and I'm sitting in my home group and I raised my hand to share and I was like, hey guys, uh, I got in a fight with my girlfriend and I moved in with my drug dealer last night. So after the meeting, my sponsor and bad idea. <laughs> my sponsor and my sponsee brother walked up to me and they said, JR, um, you're not going back to your drug dealer's house. We're not going to let you. Uh, your sponsee brother has a couch that you are welcome to go sleep on. We have another friend that we can talk to that you can rent a room from because you have a job. And so we're not letting you go back to your drug dealer's house. And so they actually uh, drove after the meeting, I drove with my sponsee brother, basically kind of took me hostage for a couple of days, uh, kept me at his house. until I moved into my new, my new place that I was renting a room after that, but they would have never known, man. If I hadn't <laughs> shared at that meeting, I could have just went to that meeting, kept my mouth shut. And then after the meeting, went back to my drug dealer's house and the chances of me staying clean and sober living in my drug dealer's house were not very good. As they say, if you hang out at a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. If I lived at my drug dealer's house and I had a bad day, man, you know I would have been using. So uh, I shared at the meeting and it saved my life. <sighs> There's another story I want to tell you about sharing at a meeting that I, I haven't brought up yet because this is the big one, okay? So sometimes in early recovery, things are kind of hard, man. And me and uh, the wife, who was the girlfriend at the time, we were we were renting a room at a house, and I was working and she was working, and we were trying to you know get on our feet and figure out a way to get out and get our own plates and everything. And one day, her license got suspended, her car got repossessed, and she lost her job. All in one day, and so it was a Friday. And that night, we were at our regular Friday night meeting, which was a candlelight meeting. So we're in a, in a room at a rec center, probably 100 people in the room, and the lights are out. There's a little candle in the middle. And I, I decided to share. I'm like, I'm JR. I'm an addict, right? And I was like, nothing's working out. We've been sober for nine months. Things aren't going any good. And it's it's over. We lost everything. And I don't think I'll be able to stay sober. And I started bawling. Like, I was crying, like, loud, audibly crying. It's embarrassing to think about back then. It was embarrassing back then. Maybe less embarrassing now. But I was sobbing out loud because I was so sad and scared more than anything that 
all this right. sobriety, all this work we had done on our sobriety was over because now we had nothing again. And I was like, man, things are never going to work out for us. Things are never going to get any better. And there was a lady named Roberta. And Roberta is a, uh, a famous lady in Narcotics Anonymous. She's been around for a long time. She's a sweetheart. And at the end of the meeting, uh, uh, the lights come on and, and my face is all soaked with tears. And she walks up to me and she hands me a folded piece of paper. And she said, I think you forgot something. And I'm like, what the hell is this, right? And so I open it up and it says, step one, step two, step three. <laughs> so here I am in a meeting, bawling my eyes out because I lost the car, the wife lost the job. Everything is, everything's going to fall apart. Nothing's going to work out. And she reminds me that the first three steps of Narcotics Anonymous, of Alcoholics Anonymous say, you know, we're powerless over addiction. Our lives are unmanageable. A higher power can restore us to sanity. And if we just make that decision, man, we could turn it over to God. And essentially what I know about the third step is it's about hope, faith, and trust. If I trust the process, if I have faith in God, everything's going to work out. The only thing I got to remember is just don't pick up, just don't use and things are going to get better. So here I am crying about how things are getting worse. And nothing's ever going to get better. And guess what? Things got better, man. I didn't drink. I didn't use. I ended up with car and house and dog. No, I didn't get a dog yet. Sean's got a dog. But, you know, I ended up with a wife. I ended up with everything, man. I ended up with a life beyond my wildest dreams because I didn't use and I trusted the process. But. I forgot for a moment, but what I didn't forget was to share at the meeting, hey, this is what's going on with me. It's hard and I'm crying and I'm supposed to be a grown man. I'm crying my eyes out because I'm so scared. And people there understood, man, this lady who had like 40 years sober, she understood that I was hurting, man. And she she just wrote down the steps, man, and tried to, you know, give me some some hope and some faith and some trust. And uh, And I didn't pick up. I picture you at the at this candlelight in front of 100 people with the lights off, the candles lit, flickering, glistening face from your tears. Yeah, it's man. It's, it gets it gets it gets emotional. You know what I mean? Like especially after you stop using and you know drinking, you know all these emotions are coming out. And you know, were you working the steps at that time? I was. Yeah, I I was. But if you're new, man, and for some reason you're new and we tricked you into listening to our podcast, understand you're not alone, man. And, and this is not the easiest of processes. Uh, doing the four-point plan is simple. And because it's simple, it is slightly easy. But being sober, it's not easy, man. If you have been taking drugs or drinking to numb your feelings for the past 5, 10, 20 years, and now all of a sudden you get your feelings back. It ain't easy, man. Uh, they, they say that there's good news and bad news. The good news is you get your feelings back. The bad news is that you get your feelings back. And right. so here we are, man. It's drunk people, drug addict people, and we got feelings again. And it's hard, but we don't have to use. That's right. And even <clears throat> I liked your story because it showed, one, that you were in a meeting, and two, you opened your mouth. Could you imagine if 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 Jr. was having all that stuff going on in early sobriety, and he didn't open his mouth? He didn't he didn't let let this 
this room of people know what's going on in his life right there. Things might not have changed. He might have just said, nobody cares about me. I'm going home and I'm getting loaded, right? <clears throat> it's common stuff right here. Or even, wor even worse, imagine if, if JR didn't even go to that meeting. Yeah. We might not be sitting here doing this show right now. And that's, I, I come across so many people who are ambivalent to the idea of recovery. They want to just stay home. And they're like, I'm just going to stay home. You know, I wasn't feeling it. What do you mean you weren't fucking feeling it? Were you feeling uh, withdrawal when you stopped drinking? You know, were you feeling the DTs? Man, I don't care what you're feeling. Get your ass to a meeting. Get your ass to a meeting and let people know what you're going through and where you're at and what's happening, man, because you never know what's going to happen, man. I, I didn't know someone was going to give me a motorcycle when I went to that meeting. You know, I didn't know that, that a lady with 40 years clean who I looked up to and admired was going to come up and just, you know, share from her heart to try to make me feel better, man. I, you never know what's going to happen, man. You got to go to the meeting. You got to share what's going on and you got to trust the process. You got to have faith in a higher power that things are going to be all right, man. Even little kids will tell you, oh, it's going to be okay. It's funny because my daughter was 15 when I got sober and she told me, hey, it's going to be okay. And I was like, oh, my God, how did you know they taught me that? And then, hey, she's like, everybody knows <laughs> If things work out, I'm like, no, no, you got to do the steps in order to understand that. No, in reality, the truth is in life that things are going to work out, man. But for us as addicts and alcoholics, we can't drink and use because we will fuck it up. But, you know, if you don't pick up, you give yourself a chance for things to get better. And then there's other footwork that you could do, you know, but the results are not in our hands, man. They're in the hands of our higher power. I remember early on in recovery, I was hanging out with two really cool guys that had more clean time than me. And they're like, yo, man, uh, the results is not my job, man. I'm in the business of footwork. <laughs> <laughs> and the footwork yeah. that we do, man, is we go to meetings and we share about what's going on with us. Right. So I've been working on emotional sobriety, you know, with my sponsor lately. You know, I got the physical sobriety, you know, everything's <clears> easier, like the, the obsession's gone. It's been lifted, but you know, like there's still a lot of emotional shit I got to deal with. Is from is when I started using, you know, like my mom passed away, and that's what really kicked it off. And then a bunch of other series of events that that happened. Some my fault, some not, but mostly I destroyed it all. I took that as an excuse to continue getting loaded. So when I finally went to treatment, I went to treatment with with like three weeks clean, but. I use it as a, like emotional, I was emotionally hung over. So I use my treatment center as an emotional, an emotional, uh, I had to get emotionally Ref. stable. Yeah, like a refuge from my emotions. Because I didn't know how to deal with them because it was years and years and years of hiding and suppressing all my emotions. And so now like I'm working on my emotional sobriety today. And you know, it's, it's not just a physical sobriety too, but without me opening up and sharing and talking about how I'm feeling as they come and not a history lesson to my sponsor, but asking when they're happening, talk to them about it. Not just telling them how I was feeling. You have to tell them how you are feeling in the moment. And, you know, you get the proper you know suggestions or direction. And there's so many people you can call once you start going, getting a home group and, you know, you start going to meetings all the time, you get numbers and eventually you'll make phone lists and you make, you know, it's funny JR talked about the phone list last night and, I remember when I got on the phone list and I brought it to JR and he was at work and I brought it and said, look, man, I got on the phone list. And he was like, I don't know if he was mad or not mad, but 
don't know if he was jealous or if he was happy for me, but he smiled. I'm not sure how to take that smile to this day. I still don't, but he was like, yeah. He's happy for you, dude. Oh, good job, Sean. Yeah. I really didn't know how much he wanted to get on the phone list until last night. I was like, oh, I feel bad now. Wait, it's a list of phone numbers? And they put your phone number on the list of phone numbers? Oh, right. Oh, man. You go enough times to these meetings, they'll put you on a phone list. And they'll start oh, no, the people are going to have a phone like, How you doing, man? It's like you know the, when Steve Martin got his name in the phone book. He's like, I'm somebody now. <laughs> I'm going to be somebody. My name's in print. <laughs> Things are going to start happening to me now. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, so, you know, um, I like that that we are talking about this subject. In case there is anybody who's new to sobriety and stuff, it's not easy right away. It's really not. It's it's not easy, you know, sharing in front of other people, um, letting people know how we're feeling, any of that stuff. We can start off slow. We can start off slow. Say your name. Say if you're having a, I'm having a good day, I'm having a bad day. That, leave it at that even who knows i do i do want to touch on what sean said i i don't like when people say imagine the room naked i don't think that works at all what i always do that i i still do that i'm not nervous or anything i just like imagine everybody naked well yeah there's some, i don't know there's, that's just you but <laughs> what somebody what i heard somebody say one time he's like hey guess what when you're up there sharing nobody's really thinking about you they're thinking about themselves. That's true. Too. <laughs> I was going to say that too. Everybody's in the inner dialogue of, oh, if yeah. I get called on, what am I going to say? And everybody's thinking about themselves, anyways. They're not. They might be listening to what you're saying, but they're relating it to them to their own self. <laughs> so don't worry. Well, no matter what you're saying up there, not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just push through it. You know what I mean? It's... So we know what it's like. Uh, raising our hand to share at a meeting, but on occasion, someone will call you up and invite you to come speak on a panel or even uh, be a main speaker at a meeting like I was invited to do last night. And these are different deals, man. Or a leader or lead a meeting. Or lead a meeting. If you share at a meeting, usually your time limit is three to five minutes. If you lead a meeting, oftentimes your time limit is five to 10 minutes. If you go speak on a panel, oftentimes your time limit is 15 to 20 minutes. And right. if you're asked to be a main speaker at a meeting, oftentimes you go up 45 minutes to an hour. So right. that different experiences to do all this, man. How do you grow to be comfortable uh, speaking for a long period of time? The way that I learned how to do it was by getting a panel. And a panel is a service commitment. Four-point plan, get a commitment. A service commitment of doing a panel is once a month, you're going to a facility, you and, and usually a couple other people, and you're sharing your story for them. And so I did my panels for years and I always kind of left myself a slot to share at each of the panels just so that I could practice speaking for a long time, telling a complete story. But when I first was asked to lead a meeting and when I first was uh, able to go speak on a panel, I was a little nervous, even me, I get a little nervous. So I called up my sponsor and I said, hey, man, what what should I share about? What should I do? And he said, man, the most important thing is, you you know, it's your story. You're going to share your story. 
just you got to tell the truth, man. So here's what I recommend. Before you speak, pray to God that you tell the truth. And so uh, that's advice that I give to my sponsees and my friends to this day. If you're going to go speak, man, just tell the truth. Pray to God. Tell the truth. And uh, it's funny because I'll make jokes about it because sometimes I'll say, oh, well, I I've been telling my story over and over again. I'm going to tell somebody else's story tonight. Like I got a friend who uh, used to be a high school pitcher for his baseball team, and he was the reliever. He was a closer, and he had a shoulder injury from pitching. And so he would sit out in the bullpen the whole game, hoping that they didn't call his name to come in and save the game because it was too much pressure. And he would, <laughs> he would eat Vicodin one after the other, just sitting out there the whole game. And then they would call his name, his number, and he would have to go out there all stoned and try to throw strikes. So – uh, I've told that story before, but uh, it's not my story, man. My story, I've never played baseball. I sucked at baseball, but I always thought <laughs> the story was pretty funny. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I I get to work with uh, people new in sobriety. And uh, one of the one of the groups that we do, it's, it talks about going, getting involved in other types of uh, support groups out, outside of uh, just the the class. The, group setting there and i <clears throat> once a once a week i let one of them practice a 10 minute lead it and when and when i say that that each one gets an opportunity to do a 10 minute lead man they you should see the fear it's just like 10 minutes i can't do a 10 minute share oh my god it seems so long at the time yes yeah, so long. and you know so i like 10 minutes is <laughs> yeah, and they and even in at least in Alcoholics Anonymous, they give you an outline of what of what we do share about inside when we when we share our our message, our story, our experience with another alcoholic. We talk about we share in a general way three separate three separate things. Number one, what it was like. Number two, what happened. What it was like was what it was like before we got sober number two what happened the process of getting sober and three what is life like today a three simple guidelines to follow when you're doing it so and wait guess, a minute what it was like what happened was like today so what it was like i used to do a lot of drugs what happened i stopped doing drugs what mm -hmm. it's like today it's awesome I still don't do right. that. <laughs> That's a short version right there. But let me tell you, when if you if you get people like us talking about what it was like, most people will go on for about 20 minutes about what it was all the wreckage and all the pain and the suffering and the madness of of what it was like before. I have to remind people when I'm when we're, when they're doing their practice 10 minute lead, I'm like, "Hey, Come on, let's start getting sober here. You're still stuck in fifth grade smoking joints, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, my sponsor will text me like, hurry up, Sean, get sober. <laughs> hurry up. You got to tell them about the program, too. You can't just tell them about the guy that you bought weed with yeah. from behind the bowling alley. You got to right. my, first, my first 10 minutes share, I don't think I think I talked nine minutes. It's the first time ever getting up from the I mean, on a podium. You know, in front of 100, 80 people. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was a disaster. But if it wasn't for that disaster, help me. Because I'm like, you know what? I don't disaster next time. 
So I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my first ten minute lead, I I didn't even get sober. They were like kicking me off the podium. They're like, yeah. they're like, all right, it's, it's been twelve minutes. Come on, buddy, <laughs> come on. And I'm like, well, I got sober and I uh, everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got kicked out of the house. And I dropped out of school. What? What? Oh yeah, <laughs> then I, I went to AA and now I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. last it's night nerve wracking. It is nerve wracking. When I got the chance to speak last night, both of you guys were there, and I and I thank yeah. both of you right off the bat. Told everybody you're my best friends, and I love you. Uh, which you know I didn't know you guys when I was using right, and so right. I try to because I know that my story <laughs> includes a lot of war stories. Uh, I'll talk a lot about what it was like, and so I try to integrate throughout the entire thing my gratitude today and my attitude today and my feelings about how, how good the program is because I know I can get stuck on, on the war stories. But uh, last night, I know uh, it was fun and it was easy for me to kind of just constantly bring up the good old days so, so that I could get to the sobriety part. So even if you don't know exactly what I did in sobriety, you definitely know my attitude about sobriety. By the time I was done, was there any doubt in you guys' minds that I love being sober? No. No, not really. <laughs> no. Yeah. You like you like you left the meeting pretty quick, but I was like, "Where's Jr? Where's Jr?" It was over. Because <laughs> somebody mentioned the, the dare thing, and it's like, "Well, yeah, Nolan did." Nolan was, "Yeah, you might." Jr. didn't talk about it, but he used to be the speaker for Dare. That's how he can speak so 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 well. So that's why people. each share is is amazing. You get to know a little bit yeah. more about the that's person. Probably, yeah, that's probably probably the third or fourth time I've heard Jr. share, and every time it's it's never really the same story. There, there, I mean, there's certain parts that you know, I mean, his key points, but everything else that comes together, I mean, it's all you know, it's all the truth. You know, it's from his God and his higher power that lets him deliver it in a way that you know, I mean, he doesn't, he can't prepare for that. It just comes naturally, and that's why it's so awesome. Oh. I forgot. I forgot to tell you guys about Nancy Reagan. Oh man, when I was yeah. when I was in junior high school, I was in the Just Say No program, and I traveled to Washington D.C. and I met Nancy Reagan, and I shook her hand, and I'm pretty sure she was like E.T. because she had this <laughs> giant face and these little tiny hands, and I thought, wow, this lady is amazing. <laughs> E.T. had big hands, actually. He had that big yeah, old. My big this is my strong hand. Oh, this is my strong hand. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It is. It's. It's a little new and ner nerve wracking when we first start opening our mouths in in front of people that are exactly like us. They're all exactly. They have the same problem we did. They're drug addicts and alcoholics. And it, I'm, for some reason, it is a little nerve-wracking for, for us to open up our mouths and let people get to know us. It's well, the truth. It was like that for me. It was like yes. that for each and every one of you here. It's funny, it's funny you say that because I, I used to go to your book study, you know, what, almost two years ago. And I used to watch you, not like in a creepy, perverted way from the back, but I used to watch oh, yeah, you. Like, you man, oh, I mean, yeah, I you did. Yeah, it's like, man, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was Because you, you sit up there with that other guy and – he did his book study. And I remember thinking like, man, I don't think I could do that. I was like, he's got to be, but you didn't look nervous or, you know, you, you talked well and you know, I mean, you, you, you know, you shared and 
you know, you you participated. I was nervous though. Yeah, I'm but sure I was nervous. Now inside, I was nervous. And that was the right. beginning of me learning how to do that. But yeah. you know what? You know what made it better? Just by doing it. Absolutely. The more I you do it, the more comfortable you become. Right. Exactly. So that's like it, my- folks. We're, we're talking about how important it is to, to share our meetings, how special it is to share our meetings, how uh, life-saving it can be by sharing your meetings. Don't uh, try to get this in a vacuum, man. Don't try to get this with your mouth closed. Get into meetings, man, and let the people know that you're there and let them know who you are. That's the way that it's going to save yeah. your life because people are going to start caring about you. They're going to start loving you. They're going to start connecting to you. And, and I constantly say this, man, the cure for addiction is connecting to people, man. Get Find a way to do the four-point plan, the 90 means in 90 days, get a sponsor, get a home group, get a commitment. Because when you do those four things, you are able to connect to other people. You're not going to get sober all alone, man. You need people. And the way to get to know people in meetings is to share in meetings. So I hope that we've we've touched on this well today. I want you guys to go to a meeting today and go share at that meeting and let them know who you yeah. are, man, and what you're there for and what they can do to help. That's what we always say. You know, what we're interested in is what's your problem and how we can help, right? So let them know, man, where you're at, what's going on. Someone's going to help you. Someone in the meeting has had the same experience as you. And if they haven't and you feel like you didn't get the help you needed, go to another meeting, man, and share at another meeting. That's what I did, man. That's what these guys did. And it's it's worked out for us, man. So, so sharing at meetings is important. Sean, you're really good at it now. You used to be very shy. Uh, what could you say that maybe will make someone go out and share at a meeting? Um, well, I mean, yeah, like from my experience, I had to be put on the spot. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to, and I believe everybody's got something to say. And, you know, if, if you have a hard time sharing, maybe ask whoever's leading, like, hey, can you can you call on me to share? And or something like that. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, I, I, you know, I sat in the back and I – like a topic would be up and I have something to say on it, but I was just too afraid to, to raise my hand. You know what I mean? So that's why I had to, my sponsor knew that and he's calling me and it's like, Sean, I need you to share today about something and raise your little, little tiny ET hand and, and say something. Let <laughs> 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 see. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was, I think it, my excuse was when I was in high school, I had to do a final presentation. I had to get in front of the class and, and do this presentation. So when I got called on, I got in front of the class and everybody's staring at me and I shut down. I actually froze up and I didn't say anything for probably two and a half minutes. I stood there like a wax statue and it was a pretty dramatic experience. And you know, after, you know I was doing my step work and I was talking to my sponsor about you know my sharing and how much I was scared to do it. I thought maybe this was why, because of this experience I had in high school. And, you know, it comes out that I was using that as an excuse, but, or the fact that I was too stoned to do the, to actually write the paper and I had nothing to say up there. So I said, <laughs> I, said I just had to get over it. You know, I just, I, you know, I still have a hard time sharing. But. I never heard that story. Yeah, we're <laughs> grateful that you got past that, Sean, because you got yeah. a good message to share to people. That's why you're here on the Four Point Plan. <laughs> Guy, you are dynamite and electric on the microphone. We love it when you get up there to share. Uh, I think that you're a good speaker for meetings, good leader for meetings. And I, I hope that one day they make you a, a main speaker at a convention, brother. So uh, talk to us real quick about why it's important for someone to get out there and share. And then we'll wrap this up. It's important because it's going to save your life 
and it, it's a good way to get over that and to get comfortable to sharing and letting people know about us is to keep going to the meetings. It's not going to happen overnight. Just keep going. Maybe try that 90 and 90 thing and keep going to a meeting that you're going to see the same people at each and every week or each and every day. And then you are going to get to know them and they are going to get to know you and you will feel more comfortable about opening your mouth and saving your life. That's right, people. Get out there to a meeting, man. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days and share at that meeting, man. Let those people know who you are. I've been putting the challenge out for a long time saying, man, if you do the four-point plan and it doesn't work, you come back and let me know and I'll change it. I haven't had to change it yet because if you keep going to meetings every day, you're going to open your mouth and people are going to get to know you and you're going to find a way to save your life, man. So do this. What a good topic, man. And share it with your friends, man. Tell people to listen to the podcast. Go on the website, Four Point Plan. Spell it out, F-O-U-R-P-O-I-N-T-P-L-A-N, fourpointplan.com. Or email us at fourpointplan. Put the number four and type it out, fourpointplan uh, at gmail.com. Email us with your questions. Uh, anything that we could do to make the Four Point Plan better, we're down for it, man. I check those emails. Uh, also look for us on Spotify. Apparently someone said that they're listening to four point plan on Spotify. I know that we're on anchor FM. Listen to, uh, check us out on YouTube, man. Go to my page, go to, uh, J.R. Roberts page and you'll find me. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, keep coming back to the four point plan. I want to thank guy and Sean for, uh, being awesome. Like they always are. And remember everybody, the four point plan is a program that's designed to save your life. And it's here for you. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. And the outro.